Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. What does church exist to see people's lives change in the name of Jesus? And if you'd like to be part of that change that happens here every week, both in person and online, you can partner with us financially. Just go to waterschurch.org give and select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. It's like it's a melting pot. It's all about drugs now. It's all about people on SSI. Look at Main Street. It's dead on a Saturday and a Sunday. I mean, Woonsocket is going down the tubes. Rhode Island's dying. Our generation, our schools, full of students. But where are they going to go? There's, there's no hope for them around here. in a series of messages called Honor in the House. We want to live with honor. We want to raise our honor game. We want to give value and worth to the things God wants us to give value and worth to. Today we're talking about honor for spiritual authority. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I'm so excited that Jesus promised us we're going to win. We're going to win people to Christ. Hell cannot stop what Jesus has started. He who began a good work in us is gonna be faithful to bring it to completion until the day he comes back again. I love being part of the church because the church is Jesus's unstoppable movement on planet earth. But how many know as an organization, the church needs order and structure? It can't just be this kind of, you know, anything goes society. Actually, the scriptures call the church the army of God. We're a spiritual army. We go out there, we fight the spiritual battles for men and women's souls. We take authority over the demonic spirits. We tell people who are depressed to find the joy of the Lord, which is their strength. Hopefully we see divorcees or people about to be divorced reconcile and come together and unite in the bond of peace through Jesus Christ. I pray and I hope and I know we see people addicted to substances or some other sin set free in Jesus' name. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit as the army of God marches into the very gates of hell and takes captives out of the prison of darkness and transmits them into the palace of God's eternal light in Christ Jesus. We're the army of God and an army needs authority. Like you can't imagine our great military here in America if, if there was no general's commanders and colonels, so there has to be authority. Now, some of you, I, I understand this, and this was on my heart this week when I thought about this topic. Some of you are going to get a little bit antsy about the idea of spiritual authority. Like, 
like listening to leaders in your church for you is a challenging thing. And you almost don't want to do it because you have authority in all these other areas of your life. And I was like, I come to the church and now I got to listen to people. And, and yeah, you do, but it's good. And it's good for you. It's good for the church. And it's good for those who lead you. And I want to put a passage of scripture on, on the screen right away to get us started here. It's not from Ephesians 4. We'll read that later. But Ephesians chapter 13, it says this, talking about spiritual authority in the church. He says in verse 17, obey your leaders. Now, right there is like, oh, really? I have to obey the spiritual leaders of my church? And, and then he says, not just obey, but submit to them. Like there's that S word again for Americans. We don't like that term, submission. I don't want to, you know, listen. Like, who are you? You're just this church person. I don't need to listen to you about all this stuff. And I want to say it is for your good that you come under spiritual authority. We're going to talk about that today. But I also know why some of you struggle to listen or get under spiritual authority, why you might bristle at that concept. Because you've probably been hurt by spiritual leaders. You've been abused by spiritual leaders. And can I tell you, I've been there. I've been there. I've been, I was raised in what I like to call affectionately the most dysfunctional church in Western Massachusetts. We had bad pastor after bad pastor after bad pastor. And, and you say, well, that's just your opinion. No, these people were breaking the law and the Ten Commandments. Okay. And unrepentantly. And I experienced and my family went through it. The, the horrible damage that a, a pastor can do to people's lives when he isn't living in submission to the ultimate authority, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw, we heard, we felt the pain. We cried the tears. I've been there. It's terrible. And I think about, Lord, why did you put me through that as a young boy all those years? That was, that was my upbringing. When I was a young boy, I was like, man, why can't church just be normal? That's how I used to think. Why can't we just have a decent pastor? And, and I think about that. I think God brought me through all that so that I'd never bring you through that. And I've always made it my prayer, Father, help me to love your people. Help me to give them Jesus. Help me to lead an honorable life for them. And may I never abuse them and, and, and push them and, and, and hurt them and speak condescendingly to them. Let me love them the way you love them. And I do that to the best of my ability and by the grace of Almighty God. But I want you to know it's always in my mind that ultimately you are not my sheep. You are Jesus's sheep and I'm serving the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. I want you, when you... When you look at me, I want you to see through me and see Jesus. That's my desire for you. But there's a process that Jesus has in place, spiritual leaders. He says, obey them and submit to them. And then what does it say after that? Because they are keeping watch over your souls. You need somebody to watch out for this. We, we, we pay the least attention sometimes to our souls. We worry about our bodies. We get to the gym. We try to eat right. We worry about our brains, we go to school, we get education, we try to graduate. We worry about our relationships, we try to get married, have kids, have a nice family. How's your soul doing? Because if your soul's not right, all those other things won't be right either. See, you're not just a body, you're body, soul, and spirit. You need your spirit fed. 
You need your soul cared for so that your body can flourish. If you don't care for your soul, your body's gonna suffer. Just like if you don't care for your body, your soul is gonna suffer. And the job of the church and the leaders in the church is to keep watch over your souls so that your, the whole rest of your life flourishes as God aligns your soul in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and empowers you to live lives of fruitfulness, love, peace, and joy in the Lord. We got to keep watch over you. This is what elders are for, leaders are for, pastors are for, small group leaders. And they're a blessing to your life. And then he says this, they're going to have to give an account. Someday I have to give an account for how I pastored. Can I tell you that that scares me more than anything you guys can do to me? I'm going to stand before God someday and answer for how I did this job. I got to take it seriously. And then it says, let them do this with, what's the next word, everybody? Joy. I love that. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning because that'd be no advantage to you. It would not be helpful to you if I hated this job. It would not be helpful to you if every day I walk home and I go to my wife and I say, Cheryl, I just hate these people. They can all go to hell for all I care. I don't care. It would not be helpful. Now, let me say something to you and I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. It is a joy to be your pastor. I love what I do. I thank, I thank God that I got this job. I really, I mean, you know, I hope this is your deal too. I hope that you have a job that you love and you look forward to going to. And if you don't have a job that you love and look forward to going to, then get involved at Waters Church and be a part of what's going on here and you'll find yourself looking forward to coming here. Actually, I got a, uh, we got an email a couple of weeks ago from a couple who said, uh, we used to look forward to Friday night as our date night and then we got saved at Waters Church and now we look forward to Saturday night at Waters Church, our new date night. Come on, somebody, that's good. That's good testimony right there. But I look forward to this job. I love it. I love preaching. I love showing up here on Sunday. I love seeing you. I love doing what I do during the week, preparing the word, ministering to others. And, and we'll talk about what I do all week in this message. But I love it. I remember when I was first starting as a pastor, I was two years into this church. This is about 12 years ago now. And I went to a pastor's conference. You know, they get all the pastors together at places and the pastors get to know each other. And I met this pastor. He was about 25 years into pastoring. And we met each other and he said, I hear that you're a new pastor up in Massachusetts. I said, yeah. He said, how's it going? I said, oh man, it's going so good. I just love, what, I, I love the church. Things are going really well. And I'm having a lot of fun. That's what I said. I'll never forget when the word fun came out of my mouth, his face totally changed. And this old crusty pastor, I feel bad about this, but this old crusty pastor went like this, fun? Talk to me in 25 years and tell me if it's fun. And I tell you, I walked away from that conversation and I said, Father, if there's one prayer I ask you to answer, never let me get like that. I never want to get to the point where I hate what I do. And, and, I, and I said, and I never want to be the old crusty pastor for the young guy just starting out. How many know young pastors need encouragement? They need to have loving people supporting them, believing in them. Jim and Steve, we want to believe in these two guys. We want to support these guys. They're just getting their feet wet, going out, doing something great for the kingdom of God. They need your support and love. We want to raise up more pastors. And I just want to tell you, it is a joy to be your pastor. 14 years in, I'm still having fun with you people. Thank you. Thank you for making this job so fun. 
So what should you expect from people like me and, and the elders and the small group leaders of our, and the deacons of our church? We want to talk about that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's stand together as we read God's word. Here's what it says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9. In saying he ascended, that's Jesus, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? And he who descended, that's Jesus, is the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Well, how does he fill all things? It's going to explain this. And he gave. Somebody say gave. gave. And Jesus gave what? He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds. Some of your translations might have pastors there. Pastor, shepherd, same thing in the Word, in the Word, in the word of God. And he gave shepherds and teachers to equip, say that word equip. We're going to talk about that word in just a moment. The saints for the work of the ministry. Pastors equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by every uh, uh, sorry, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. Note that line. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in, say the last word, love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts. May what transpires in these next few moments take root down deep in our hearts and bear fruit in our lives that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work that you have your church to do. Bless this time together with your Holy Spirit and your presence. And may we see Jesus and him only. In his mighty name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have a seat. God bless you. I got four things that spiritual authority, about spiritual authority. You want to write these things down in your notes and, and, uh, and learn about these things. These are so helpful and beneficial for your life. Why does God give spiritual authority? Okay, number one, spiritual authority is a gift from Jesus to his church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, it says, 11, it says, and he gave the apostles. Now, Jesus gave the apostles and the pastors and the evangelists and the, and the teachers and the prophets to his church. He gave them to you. If I know you as a friend and I and I care for you and I go to the store and I buy something for you and I wrap it up and I put a card on it and I hand it to you and I give it to you, what do we call that thing that I have just given to you? It's a gift. The pastors, the teachers, the prophets, the evangelists, and the apostles, friends, the Bible is saying this, they are God's gift to you. Pastor Tim, are you telling us that you are God's gift? The Bible is, amen. <laughs> I'm just joking. But the Bible does say this. 
Jesus has done this for his church because he loves his church. And you got to know, Jesus does not give us anything that's not good for us. He wants us to be blessed. Okay, so he gave apostles. Well, you understand you still benefit from the apostles? You understand you still benefit from the apostles because every time you read the New Testament, you are reading the teaching of the apostles. What would Peter have to say about that? You can read his book, First and Second Peter. What would Paul say about it? You can read his books. Those, that's there for your benefit. God gave apostles to his church so that his church might be well equipped by the word of God. I'm thankful for the writings of Peter, John, Paul, and the rest of them. Thank you, Jesus, for your gift to me. Because when I read this book, it strengthens me. It builds me up. It reminds me that God is for me, not against me. That nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I'm born of the Spirit, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth of your word about my life. It builds me up. It blesses me. It's God's gift to me. And then he says he gives you prophets, and I still think there are prophets around today. And I thought about, here's the best definition I can give to you about prophets. A prophet helps you see the world in which you live through the eyes of God. You need to learn to see your world the way God sees it. You need to learn to see people the way God sees them. You need to learn to see your job the way God sees your job and not just your angry coworker. You need to see your neighbor the way God sees them and not the way some other neighbor who likes to complain about that other neighbor sees them. This is what a prophet does. A prophet provides correction. A prophet teaches you to see people as they are, made in the image of God. Somebody for whom Christ gave his life. Somebody that you're called to love, no matter their belief system, no matter their religion, no matter whether they like you or hate you. You're called to love your neighbor as you love yourself because that brings honor and glory to a God who loved you when you were very unlovable. Prophets come and correct the church. They empower the church to see the world the way God sees the world. Then he says evangelists. Evangelists love to win people to Jesus. And when they preach, conversions happen. Now other people in this church have come into the stage and told you that they see an evangelist gift in me. I'm very humbled by that. And it's been a long time for me to have to accept maybe they're right. Because I don't want to feel like, oh, I'm an evangelist. Now you have to call me Evangelist Tim. I don't want to be like that. I don't care what you call me, okay? But we have seen over the last 16 months, we added it up, we've seen over 1,000 people come to Christ Jesus in this church. We've seen over 150 baptisms over the last 16 months in this church. That's a testimony, not to me, but to the gift from Jesus to this church to see people in New England come to Christ. How many know we need to see Jesus change lives in New England? This is where it's at. Ground zero for the kingdom of God. And then he gives us shepherds. And again, these are pastors, but they're also our elders. The word elder, pastor, shepherd, all interchangeable in the New Testament. When you have an elder, you have a pastor. When you have a pastor, you have an elder. When you have an elder, you have a shepherd. So whenever we read about elders, we're also reading about pastors. Now, we don't just have me as the elder, the only pastor in this church. We also have uh, Shane, our executive pastor. We have Chris, who's our pastoral care director. We have John Lane uh, right here in the front row. Doug White here in the front row. Steve Fiella over here in the second row. I don't know why he's in the second row, but we've got him. And then we've <laughs> we got Jim Shackleton, who's going to be the pastor over in Woonsocket. 
And these are the men of God that God has given to our church so that you might be well cared for and well fed. If you want to meet privately with someone, you meet privately with somebody who doesn't preach regularly. Some of you come up to me after service. I have a hard time saying this, but it's true. You come up, can I talk to you privately? And the answer is always no. And the answer is always no for your protection. If I talk privately with you about a matter that you're struggling with privately, then when I talk about that matter here publicly and you're here again publicly, guess what you start thinking? I'm aiming at you. So we don't do that for your protection so that you can go to these guys who don't do the regular preaching. They're also your pastors and your shepherds and your elders, and they will talk to you about God's word. They will shepherd you. They will marry you. They will bury you, although they're not hoping to do that anytime soon. Hallelujah. They will dedicate your children, and they will pray for you. They're here to care for you. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy 5.17. Let the elders who rule, in other words, they have authority, they, they lead the church. Let the elders who rule be considered worthy of, say the next two words, everybody. How about that? Double up the honor for the elders in your church. Give them double the honor. Why? Especially those who are laboring. It's work to teach and to preach. I just want to say this. You don't have a church without elders. If there's one thing the New Testament makes clear, every time there was a church established, the next thing that happens is they establish leaders. These are elders. You don't have a church without elders. So if you think you're doing church in your home with you and your wife and your kids because you listen to Hillsong worship and then watch some preacher on TV, I got news for you, that ain't church. That's just your family getting their TV praise on, okay? We want you in a church. We want you connected to other Christians. We want you talking to other people that are not like you so that you can learn from them. They can help you. They can tell you where you're wrong. You can help them tell them where they're wrong. You can learn to listen to the leadership of your church. And when you start listening to other people, they bless your life and protect you from harm. That's what elders are for. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1, Paul says to his, his associate Titus, he says, the reason why I left you in Crete was so that you might appoint elders in every town and they would put order into those churches. Elders provide order for the church. 1 Peter chapter 5 teaches us about elders. And here's what Peter says. It's there in your notes. He says, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God, exercise oversight, not because you have to, not under compulsion, but because you want to, as God would have you, not to make a lot of money, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. You should look at me and see an example. And by the grace of God, I do try to be an example. I try to be an example in every area of your, my life to you except for driving. Hallelujah. But I try <laughs> to be God's example so that when you see me, you can think, you can think okay, God is, is really working through my pastor. And, and I need your prayers for that, by the way. I need you to pray for me to lead a life that is an example to you. I mean, you know, the enemy would love to come and attack me and my family. Would love to attack my wife. Would, would love to drive a wedge between us. How many know he'll use the church to do that sometimes? You need to pray for the angels of God to surround us and protect us and keep us strong. We're human. We need help. We need the Holy Spirit to continue to work through us. You need to honor my wife. She's not just the pastor's wife. She's a mighty woman of God. She is my partner in ministry. You need to love her and honor her. She leads and feeds the women of this church. 
I'm so proud of her. She's starting a new leadership program for the young ladies in our church. And, and she's going to take our leadership and our ladies to another level. Amen, somebody. We want to honor these people because they're leading our church forward. And this is why God gives you, it's a gift to you, the leadership of the church. Number two, if you're taking notes. Spiritual authority is for my good. Now, I love what Paul says here. He says he gives, them, he gives the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors to equip. There's that word again, equip. I had to say it early, equip. Now, the word in English, equip, does not do justice to the original language word. Uh, the Bible was not written in English. <laughs> English did not exist when the Bible was written. It was written in Greek. The Greek word for equip here is the word katartizmon. I love Greek words. They're just so fun to say. Katartizmon. Well, I looked this up, and I was amazed at what katartizmon originally meant. It was actually an ancient medical term. Now, I'm going to unpack this so that you understand what pastors and churches should be doing for you. And the ancient Greek word katartizmon has two definitions, ancient medical definitions. The first one is... Setting a bone. A pastor is the person God uses to set your bone. The implication being that when you come to church, you come broken. You're not right. You're misaligned in some things. In other words, some spiritual bones need to be set. Now, if you've ever broken a bone, you know you go to the doctor, they, they set the bone, they put it back in place... Then they wrap it up in what? In a cast, and then they send you home. And what do you do after you get that bone set and that cast on? What do you do? You wait. And as you wait, what happens? The bone heals. How does the bone heal? Over time. The bone heals after it's been set over time. Not instantaneous healing. Not, not just overnight, fix me up, Jesus. The bone gets set and then the bone through the natural processes that God has put into our physical bodies starts to heal. And how many know a bone that has been set properly after it's been broken, once it's fully healed, is stronger after it's healed than it was before it got broke. What a powerful spiritual uh, uh, principle for us. Here's what God's saying. You get yourself into a good church. You find yourself a good Bible-preaching pastor with elders who will lead you to Jesus, sets your spiritual bones right, gets you back in order, gets your lives straight with the Word of God, and over time, come on, over time, the healing will start happening for you emotionally, relationally, socially, spiritually, and all your life will start to flourish as you get under the spiritual authority that God has gifted you through Jesus Christ. And listen, you may have come into this church broke. Once you start to get healed and that healing fully completes, guess what, that ha guess what just happened to you? You got stronger after the healing than you were before you got broken in the first place. And now God can leverage all the breaks of your life to help heal other people who are going to come into our church broken and frustrated with their lives as God continues to build his church. I love being part of the church because we see broken lives put back together again. But you got to stick it out. So this is why so many Christians are just not healed. 
Because they come to a church, they get under a church, they start to like the church, God starts to set their bones right, and then something takes them out of the church. Maybe they get offended because the pastor talks about an issue they're not okay with him talking about. Maybe they're offended because the pastor says, hey, you got to start honoring God financially. And they check out on the church. They jump ship. It's like ripping the cast off and saying, I'm going to do it my way. Or they get offended with somebody else in the church because someone didn't say something to them or said something nasty to them. Or maybe their daughters started dating somebody else's son and, and they loved each other for a while, but they broke up as it often happens. And so because of that, we're no longer going to that church. Friends, don't rip the cast off. Don't go it alone. Don't let the process complete itself and let God make you stronger by putting you under the spiritual authority in a great church. I believe one of the best blessings you can have in your life is a great church. And by the way, if you're looking for one, you found one. Hallelujah. Welcome to Waters Church. <laughs> you get healed. How? Over time. It's not microwave spirituality, friend. It's not twice a year will do me, Christmas and Easter. It's week by week letting God align my bones and strengthen me and heal me. But the second definition of kartartismon is this, reconciling political parties. Exactly. <laughs> How many know it's going to take an act of God to bring political parties together in this country? Well, how amazing an opportunity for the church of Jesus. Let the church of Jesus be the one place. Let the church of Jesus be the one organization where people who would normally hate each other in every venue of life come into the kingdom of God and through the Holy Spirit start loving people who vote totally differently than themselves. I love the fact, and I know this because I've talked to many of you. We got some left-wing loonies, and we got some right-wing nut jobs. We got some people packing right now, and we got some marijuana tokers right now. And I'm praying for you marijuana people. You need Jesus, amen. <laughs> that stuff will mess you up. But you need to understand, it's good to see people from the political spectrum all come into the room here, lift their hands not to a person, but to the Lord Jesus Christ, and love the one who is above all political authorities in our world. I love that about the church. Let the church be a miracle place where people who would normally hate each other find the ability to love each other through the leadership that God gives them as they serve one another. Maybe one of the best things that could happen in America is instead of listening to our version of the news, we turn off the news and start loving people who voted differently than us in practical and real ways. Maybe then the church will have that voice again that can speak into the political process of America and bring our country back into alignment with the word of God. Anyway, that's just my idea. I think it can happen through the power of the Holy Spirit question for you there in your notes. I want you to look at the question. What should a pastor be doing? I told you we'd talk about this. The answer is very simple. Read the pastoral epistles. God has, in his grace and sovereignty, provided for us three books in the New Testament that unpack exactly what you should expect me to do. 
Now, how many of you would love your job description written in Holy Scripture? (laughs) I got my job description in Holy Scripture. You read through these books, and I've read through them several times, and they outline what a pastor should be doing for the people. Okay, Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus in the first century. Paul writes two letters to him because he needed a lot of help. (laughs) And then he writes a letter to Titus. Okay, and so... Here's the six things I think we can whittle it down to if you because there's a lot of repetition in these three books. Six things. Number one, preach the word. A pastor should take you to the Bible and unpack the passage for you. If you ever end up in a church where the pastor doesn't open the Bible, watch out. We got to listen to what God says, not what man says. When I read the Bible, we stand because we honor the word of God. When I'm done reading, I say, this is the word of God. We pray that God will open our eyes not to hear my opinions, but to hear what God has to say for our lives. He preaches the word. Number two, he um, exposes and warns you against false doctrine. There's all kinds of false religions out there, false ways to believe about God. A pastor tells you and exposes the lie to you so that you can come back to the truth. And, and I do this a lot. You probably hear it. It's when you kind of laugh because I kind of make fun of it. And it's all that kind of nonsense that's out there in the culture, in our world. It's false doctrines. And, and we constantly challenge you, no, listen to what God says, not what the world has to say. Number three, he promotes prayer. I'm always challenging you to come to our prayer meetings an hour before first Wednesday. Half an hour before Saturday night, after this service, there's prayer. We, we bracket our weekends with prayer. At the end of every service, we have our small group leaders up here. They're ready to do what? Pray for you. We want you praying in your small groups. It's my job to make sure we're not, we're not complaining, we're praying. Christians should never complain before they pray. <laughs> in fact, the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. With prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and then the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You pray, you don't complain. Number four, train other leaders to preach the word. So this is why we'll have Jim, Steve, and Noah last week up here preaching the word of God to you. I'm training these guys. They meet with me. I teach them how to preach and teach the word of God. And by the way, I think Noah did such a fantastic job last weekend. How how about the fact that the guy is 20 years old and he's already that good. Imagine how good he's going to be at age 40. He probably won't be as good looking as me, but he'll be a better preacher than me. (laughs) Praise Jesus for that. And let me just say, when these young guys get up here and preach, all right, Give them some amens. Tell them you loved it. Afterwards, encourage them. It's life to their bones. We want to be a life-giving church. And I'll tell you, when you're a young, like I get up here, I do it all the time, so I don't really care if you amen. Well, I really do. But nonetheless, I can get along without your amens. But for those young preachers, they need you to say amen once in a while. Let them know that's good preaching. Keep at it and encourage them in Jesus. Number five, establish elders and deacons. Now, Deacons care for the physical maintenance and operation of the church. Elders for the spiritual guidance of the church. Uh, Executive Pastor Shane Parsons, he cares for the deacons and the physical plant of our church. 
And I care for the elders of our church, along with Chris McEwen, our director of pastoral care. And so we, we have that working in both directions for our church. We want to honor not just our elders, but our deacons who lead. They usher you in. They greet you in the parking lot. They are always cleaning up around here. Between service, you should see them. You guys leave the service and they come in like busy bees and they just go through all the seats and they clean it up and they make it nice and straight so that the next service has a nice atmosphere to come into and everything looks orderly and structured. Thank God for good servant deacons in this church. Amen. So that's what a pastor should be doing. And number six, lead the church to minister to and serve others. I don't know if you saw it, but I want to make sure you do. It says that the pastor's job is to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. Let me tell you why most churches in America never get past 100 people. Because the people hire the pastor expecting him to do all the work. So the pastor has to go and visit everybody in the hospital. He has to come pray for your new house. He has to marry you. He has to dedicate all your children. He has to bury you. Sometimes he's hoping to do that, so, you know, because you've worked him so hard. I'm not hoping to do that. But you know what I'm saying? He's got to do all the work in the church. This is why the church never goes past 100 people. Because we're not listening to what the Bible has taught us about pastors. They're there to equip you so that you can do the work of the ministry. The job of the pastor, I don't know if you know this, but I've read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus many times. Not once does Paul say, make sure you visit all the sick. Not once does Paul say, make sure you do all the marriages, Tim. Not once does Paul say, hey, Titus, you better bury everybody who dies in your church or you're not doing it God's way. You say, well, pastor, why do we expect pastors to marry us, bury us, and do all those things for us? Tradition. And I think about this. The devil is a master strategist. And I think the, the devil loves to keep the pastor busy doing all those other things that the people should be doing for each other so that he doesn't have time to give himself to the feeding of the word of God to the people, which equips them, strengthens their bones, and makes them powerful contributors to the kingdom of God and work and serve one another to the glory of God. Amen. See, when you walk in here, you should be hungry. When you walk out of here, you should be well fed. But you're fed not just for yourself. You're fed to love and serve one another. And if I'm doing my job, you folks are doing all those kind of things. Now, listen, I do visit the sick. I do go to the hospitals. I do not do that because I'm a pastor. I do that because I'm a Christian. Jesus said in Matthew 25 to the whole church, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came and visited me. That's the whole church's job, not just the pastor. And so the pastor's there to lead the church to serve one another. Okay, number three. Spiritual authority keeps me grounded in God's word. He says, then we'll, we'll no longer be like children tossed to and fro. Implication being, when we're first coming to Christ, we're children. We need to grow. We're going to believe a lot of things that aren't true. And if there's one thing that does more damage to your life than anything, it is this. It is the lies you believe that really aren't true. They'll mess with you. They'll ruin you. 
They'll ruin your body. They'll ruin your spirit. They'll ruin your soul. They'll ruin your family. You need to get in the word of God. Get grounded in the word of God so that you're not tossed. So that when you hear a lie, instead of believing it like some people and most people do, you'll know, no, that's a lie from the enemy. I know my God did not say that about me. I'm going to listen to the word of God. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And he broadens the path before me through his word so that my ankles do not turn. That's the psalmist telling us, trust in the word of God. Get grounded in God's truth so that you don't fall for the devil's lies. He grounds you. And then he says this, then you'll be equipped. You'll be strong. You'll grow up into the full nature of Jesus Christ. And then the last point I want to make is this spiritual authority organically grows me in God's love. And the word organically is intentional. Organic means it happens naturally. It happens automatically. Nobody um, synthetically produces this growth. Okay, here's what I'm saying. If you get under spiritual authority, if you get the word of God fed into your life, it starts to equip you, the people of God, our church, to minister and serve one another and love one another. Now notice, I just, I just love this verse. I love how it unpacks. It says, speak the truth so the word is spoken. Then we grow up, we get stronger into Christ. And then look, verse 16, everybody. From whom the whole body joined. You gotta be joined to a church. You don't just attend a church. You get joined to a church. This is why we're always saying, get into a small group. You'll never really feel like this is your church until you're in a small group, I'm telling you. You get joined to the, small, to the church, and then, and then look what it says. Once you're joined, you're held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And then notice the next line, when each part is working properly. How are you working properly? Because you've been equipped through the teaching of the Word of God. And then as you do your part, look what it says, the last line. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What builds the church up? Fancy marketing schemes? Um, showy preaching? Amazing lights, sound, and music? No, those are just decorative artifacts. What really builds the church is when people come in here broken and feeling neglected and feeling the weight or the punishment of sin upon them. And they come in here and they hear about Jesus and the burdens on their shoulders roll away and people welcome them and hug them and love them and greet them and say, you are welcome in this place. This is the family of the living God and we're here to love everybody that God sends into our church. I think about how many of you, you were born into a family that may not have loved you the way it should have. Maybe you were born and your father left or your mother left. You were born, and you almost say this about yourself, you were born wrong. And you feel so wrong about yourself because of that. Can I tell you, the good news of the gospel is if you were born wrong the first time, you can be born right the second time. You can be born into the kingdom of God and the family that will love you and care for you. This is why we teach you to come to Jesus. Be a part of what's happening here. Let God give you a second chance 
at life. Let the new day begin through the gospel of Jesus. He'll wash away all your sin, make you a righteous son or daughter of the living God, establish your feet firmly on the solid rock of Christ Jesus and cause your life to flourish to the glory of the name of Jesus. That's my prayer for you. I want to close with one last story. A couple of months ago, a lady came into our church. We were doing the prayer series. She got into a small group. I talked about how we pray straight to our Father through Jesus. Went to her small group. She says, I don't believe that's true. She says, the truth is, I've always believed that Jesus was too busy for me. So he, he doesn't have time for me. i got to pray to some dead saints, and i got to pray to the angels because they have time for me. Well, her small group leader said, you know, that's not true. In the scriptures, you are taught, we're taught we can talk straight to our Father through Jesus. She said, no, that's not true. I just don't believe that. They said, all right, listen. You go home this week, you open the Bible, you try to find the place where it says you got to pray to dead people or you got to pray to angels. She did. She went home, she read the Bible, she searched for a scripture. I don't know how, she'd probably Google, whatever. And she tried to find a passage to say we should pray to dead people or angels. Couldn't find one. She comes back to the small group. She says, you're right, I'm wrong. And can I tell you that that woman learned for the first time in her life that Jesus wasn't too busy for her. That she can talk straight to her father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can talk to her. Two weeks ago, she got baptized. Her bones have been set and the healing has begun. That's a beautiful picture of what God is doing in people's lives here.